Okay, uh, I, 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 need to, I need to run at, uh, let me see. I mean, today I'm like triple booked for, for every single bloody hero. So, and, uh, every and, hour? Uh, every hour, I just realized that I need to do a speech to, to a bunch of Chinese bosses at 7 p.m. Okay, so let's do a quick one then. No, no, no. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, just saying that, I'm just saying that I just realized that. And uh, I know it was like uh, a few hours ago, I was, I was talking to a team saying that, hey guys, I'm here to help you prepare the slides. Here are the helping points. Um, yeah, so, so, and the team was like, what, 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 what did you tell me earlier? I said, I just found out. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about WeChat, right? Because there's so many things which, 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 which I talked over about WeChat. And, and if you don't, if you don't like translate that into calendar immediately, you forget about it. Yeah, you you need to get a PA at this point. Your your schedule is is crazy packed. Uh, yeah, uh, that's cost. Yeah, I think I think you're getting there where the value will, will justify itself if you can afford it. You know, so by, I I think you're approaching there quite fast. You're getting harder and harder to 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 pin down for your schedule. So I mean, it, it helps a lot. I think. Mm-hmm. So it's a personal choice too, though. So, so you you are in Singapore this week. I mean, uh, how do you see how do you see it? Uh, how how do you see it differ from 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 KL, which where you spend like I don't know most of your time now. This this week is too skewed. It's uh, it's not a good week to to compare because I I'm living in a warehouse and packing every day. So. <laughs> something like that but uh yeah. you know maybe 20 30 times the size of that room <laughs> so oh. uh, but yeah it's 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 um it is different there's a different feeling there's a different vibe and i think you i think you're right you've you've somewhat convinced me or helped put the icing on the cake where i think i do need to spend more time here it's 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 just where things happen where people are it's it's hard to avoid it Especially for the business I'm looking at doing, which is you know media investment space startups, right? So, um, other places where people will want to deploy capital and build things, but um, a lot of the genesis for a lot of big players are going to be here. Or at least you, no matter what, you have a hold hold co here. Right? You have a holding company, and then you invest outwards. So it's yep. it's inevitable, I think. So 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 this is something that uh, I, I I've been discussing with Dimitri, uh, our friend from Central Ventures, a lot, and. Uh, he has been a firm believer of Malaysia being the best place to invest in Southeast Asia for, for a number of years. And, uh, and Can he you qualify had... that? Huh? Can you qualify that? Like, uh, how, on what metric? The return on investment capital. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So, 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 really? so basically, basically, he does this, uh, this report on, on Southeast Asia tech investment in a very hardcore data way. They track, I mean, how many investment deals, um, who has participated in which deal, and uh, what are the exits, and who is the buyer, and how, how much the valuation, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, 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 so they, 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 they bought lots of data, too, and, uh, and spent lots of time crunching. I mean, for the last few years, we've been helping them um, sort of do a co-branded uh, re- uh, report and, and uh, reinterpret yeah. whatever data for the Chinese audience and sometimes for the Korean Japanese audience as well. Um, so, so I've seen the, how the data was collected and gathered. It was, it was, it was meticulous and, and to the point it was even annoying, right? I mean, you, you, you look at the spreadsheet of like thousands of, uh, 
uh, uh, different entities which participate in investment deals in different companies. You're trying to figure out where these entities are from and uh, and group the different entities because you know sometimes that there are vehicles by, 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 by the same sort of a GP or the same sort of a um, uh, manager, right? So, yeah. so, 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 but, but, but from that report for the last few years, it was consistent, right? If you look at exit versus the, the, the capital, I think Malaysia has been consistent. I mean, you don't have like, you know, a lot of like large unicorn deals. And, and I think, I mean, people are still debating that with it, with the grab, I mean, whether Malaysia should claim the credit of grab, <laughs> but, uh, but, but if you look at unicorn, it's just, um, it's Carson, right? Um, so you don't really have uh, anybody else at the moment, but, okay. uh, yeah. but, but, but but, but his sense is that there are lots of lots of like 50 million 100 million 200 million sort of uh, exit potential deal oh, in, yeah in yeah Malaysia. and uh, and these are relatively sort of uh, um wouldn't say safe but uh, less risky deals because you know that the market is there and you know that uh, you have the people who can build this and of course the biggest challenge is that uh, historically um not historically, but the, since the mobile internet, I mean, nobody has been really paying attention to Malaysia, right? I mean, everyone comes to Singapore, and from Singapore they go to Jakarta, right. and uh, and some yeah. will, will go to Ho Chi Minh, which yeah, which is still baffles me because uh, I mean, and I, I, I know it's exciting, but if you look at the consumer market in Vietnam, I mean, you, you have operated there, it's uh, it's it's actually smaller compared to Thailand, Malaysia, right? I mean, uh, in ter- yeah, in terms of actual GDP per capita and infrastructure, but I, I think. Mm-hmm. I think the latent potential is better if you mm. consider that if the government can actually be more efficient, which in a span of a decade or two can happen very fast. Mm. Right? So, um, but but by far you're right. Like I think uh, Mahathir of Malaysia, he he put all the infrastructure in, in the 50s and 60s, and that's what we're reaping the benefit today. But in a sense, I think why people think Malaysia doesn't have this potential anymore because it's been like stuck in middle income for a while. So mm. that kind of feeds into the, the feeling of, of the country and stuff. And also there's a lot of unsexy things. Like I think, you know, when you fish initially said that, you think of like tech in the way that we think of tech in Silicon Valley software mm. and, and, and um, maybe newer deep tech. Mm. But like originally like in the region, probably the, the first wave of actual tech semiconductors was probably a lot of the investment heavily was you know, centered in like Penang and uh, different parts of Malaysia. So I, I think you're right. You know, I, I completely forgot about it, but I, I was reading some local newspapers and they, there were a few business articles which only get circulated locally. And they, they do every, every quarter or so, you see quite a few Malaysian companies listing on the NASDAQ. But they tend to yep. be more deeper tech things that are, again, they're not, yeah, they're not unicorns. Mm. And it's hard for a Malaysian company to be locally supported as a unicorn unless they're outwards facing, right? It's a small country. Mm. So, you know, you need to have, I mean, if you look at the billionaires in the country, and there's a lot of billionaires and probably hidden billionaires in Malaysia, you see their businesses. Of course, there's only a few of licenses that are purely you know, locally focused, but everyone else, you know, they had to expand outwards, right? So, you know, I think, I think maybe he's onto something. Um, so I think that thesis might actually Dimitri. make sense, but you have to, you know, you have to be willing to, you know, dig deeper, look at the unsexy things. And, you know, if you look at all the, the bigger family businesses, they... They're, they have their hands in a multiple things across supply chains that are a lot deeper. And then where maybe applied technology in the sense that we know tech needs mm-hmm. to kind of go in there. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that is an a, absolutely a, a feasible thesis. Um, but that being said, you know, I think because I operate in the other kind of world of consumer tech and, you know, the sexier tech that people kind of been copying and this kind of stuff. So I, 
I guess, you know, I have tunnel vision, so I get a little bit, I lose the script and I, I don't look at the other world, but I slowly as I, you know, stay here longer and longer in the region, even just not tech, I think just consumer, consumable goods, mm. plenty of room to innovate and do other things. Like we were having a conversation the other day where, you know, just, you know, food space, food manufacturing space, beverage space, there's, there's plenty of things that are just not as mature as, you know, the middle class keeps developing. That's, there's a whole new class of entrepreneurs that could probably disrupt all these old school brands that where people are looking for something different, different cultural lifestyles and, and values, yeah. right? So, uh, and it was funny, um, uh, you know, a few months ago, I was in Jakarta for, for a few days with, uh, with a few, um, I would say, fairly sort of consumer-focused investors from China. And uh, <laughs> and one thing that, uh, I mean, on a plane back, one thing one thing we're discussing is that somebody, somebody was saying that, I can't believe that uh, that some of the some of the brands in Indonesia actually having that level of, uh, of margin that uh, that for them just unbelievable. They said, okay, if, if if anybody has that amount of margin, I, I, I can't remember exactly because because we we look at a few few brands and we, we did some benchmark against against the the, the more the more traditional players. Um, and and they said with this kind of margin in China, they would have been disrupted because people would come and say, hey, I can't have that margin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which I think that's like, it's older and it's perceived to be as older and traditional. And you're already kind of seeing the new wave of consumer brands coming in, like, uh, you know, Sabrina's brand, Amazing Grays. That was just really good timing. There's a lot of new beverage companies, mm. but a lot of them are being imported. So at a higher price. So there's, there's still room to play at the local level where there's enough margin of differentiation. If you could speak to what the local younger generation wants, you can create really fantastic new brands, right? And I'm, I'm not talking in a sense like this, you know, Amazon kind of, you know, you know, branding play where they wrap it up, you know, raise a ton of money and they try to buy all these smaller brands and put them together. No, I'm talking like an actual brand that, that creates a real moat over time. The kind of stuff, you know, that, become, that becomes generational, right? So yeah. those generational brands won't completely disrupt and they, they don't really know how to make the next generation brand. So they end up buying them. Mm. Um, so, and I, I think that's, I think the whole next cycle is very interesting. I think, you know, Silicon Valley is looking at very deep tech and I think that still has a role across the globe with leapfrogging technologies. Um, but I, I do have this feeling where it's not going to be the same type of, uh, tech driven innovation that we saw in the past 10 years will be a different kind. Maybe it's more of a private equity kind of mixed in with venture kind of play, you know, so. That, that's my sense of you know coming into the end of this year. I think things are looking different. Of course, the frontier where you know where I play, it's it's always going to be new stuff, um, no matter what. So, but I mean, I guess if you're looking at the overall trend, I, th I think it's some of a different flavor going into the next decade. I think uh, um, so. You know, we did uh, this uh, this bubble tea report uh, at some point of time this year, and uh, yeah, we, I remember. We, we, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. Yeah, so 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 so, so basically, we look at I mean um, the the whole space. I mean, not not necessarily just, just bubble tea in a narrow sense, where you put like you know milk, sugar, and uh, tea, yeah. and uh, the pearls, right, the tapioca balls. But but in a broader sense, that you have like you know, other type of like new uh, sort of sugary drinks. Um, yeah, it, the market is huge, and so so our estimate is that it's like. 3.6 billion US dollar a market in Southeast Asia, and uh, and of course you have a bunch for bubble tea alone. For uh, we we categorize so for instance if you have the the summer lemon soda which is very sweet we 
we put yeah. that into the into the sort of new drink. I mean, so supposedly we excluded coffee, tea, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is kind of more okay. conventional drinks, but uh, but 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 those drinks which which are sold at uh, at relative like the small kiosks or standalone stores and uh, with with really like colorful. Um, colorful sort of branding colorful cups and stuff so yeah so so I, and also we look at a few brands right i mean um, that brand Mishui, uh from china so so they, they filed for ipo uh, a few months ago so so we got a chance i mean ipo in china we got a chance to look at their yeah. whole prospectors those guys are crazy right i mean uh i mean three years ago nobody noticed them and now, if you look at yeah. the absolute vo- uh, number of stores, they are like number three, n- n- number five in the world, and the only one yeah. in the top seven, which is non-US. <laughs> and in other well, that's that's the, yeah, like KFC, whatever, yeah, and Subway. I mean, that's the beauty of, of of China. It's such a large market in itself, where you know, where if something goes unnoticed, it just becomes a, a monster and. Yeah. Then I think what's interesting is that you know by proximity we get a lot of those brands coming to Southeast Asia, yeah. and I, and I had long chat with a uh, with a guy who had been investing in sort of consumer uh, brand, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, so consumer brands, F and B, uh, and and franchise stores in China since like nineteen ninety eight. So so wow. he said a lot of the stores um, um, would spend years to figure out what works for them. Because 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 they're not, not they're not like tech right. You, you change the product feature yeah. and, and you throw some some incentives. You test consumer response. So a lot of the things that uh, that they figure out in, in the process, in the supply chain, etc., takes years. And uh, and in the case but of what niche, kind of products? So 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 so, so the property, for example. I mean, you, you, really, you, if you run if you run a franchise, what's your what's your in store um, um, process, right? I mean I mean where should yeah. the, the stuff. And oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That stuff. And how do you get the stuff delivered to to the store? What's your uh, revenue model? Do you charge the franchises a fee? Do you sell them uh, raw ingredients? Do you? I, I don't know. I mean, who spends on marketing? And how do you? I mean, if you have like I don't know, in that case, like twenty thousand stores, how do you make sure that everyone adheres to the, the same standard? Because uh, you, it takes like one one like food security incident for for your brand to be trashed. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I did quite a few F&B entrepreneur mm, interviews on EOA, and mm. um, there, there's some interesting insights from there. Um, and I think you could probably use the same framework. So mm. one of the founders I, I interviewed was from a Malaysian burger chain called My Burger Lab, uh, Ren mm. Chin, a very fantastic entrepreneur. Mm. Um, really kind of created a, a newer, have- new wave bur- burger brand. You've been, you been in Southeast Asia for, for a long time, right? Because you said a very fantastic. Yeah. Because fantastic, the word already carries the meaning very. So you don't have to add them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm speaking off the cuff. Okay. Yeah, okay. You, 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 I got to work on my, 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 my speech. But anyway, yeah. um, but he, he tried to do expansion into like Cambodia and I think another another country. But what, what he found out was that if there was no first wave burger kind of like McDonald's or fast food chain, newer brands like his brand probably wouldn't be able to survive because they never really understood the concept of it, right? So if you, take about, if, you, if you think about what you're saying of how we have this kind of first wave of F and B, right? And they, they kind of had to figure out all these processes and all, mm. how, you know, and then essentially those processes get built in the back end into the supply chain. Right. When we're talking about the actual factories and, you know, 
where they buy stuff, uh, either whether it's locally or abroad. And so that, that like, I think I could understand why the first wave took so long. Right? Yeah. And if you look at how F&B is kind of developing layer by layer, I, I think we're at the point where, for example, if you want to launch a, a beverage company here, there's a ton of OEM players already. Um, if you want to, you know, you can just ride the backs off of the first wave and that allows you to deploy these kind of new brand concepts faster and, you know, you don't have to figure out as much. So it, I think it makes I think, a lot of sense. I, I think what that has done is similar to what, uh, I mean, what e-commerce has done to, to brand building, what, what, um, what what the food delivery platforms have done to you to to FMP concept building, right? So so you have the infrastructure yeah. that allows you to test things pretty fast, but uh, but but I think at some point in time because because it allows everyone to test pretty fast at some point in time. I mean, this is not a winner take all market. Sometimes we will become big enough. You will need to squeeze the efficiency out of the supply chain. I, I look at the. I mean, it was very funny. I look at the the uh, the, the IPO prospectus of Mishi, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. The, the cost structure uh, would include okay, how many straws? Um, of course, they're not not very environmentally friendly because they're all plastic. But how many straws <laughs> that they produced out the, out of their own factories, and what's the cost of production? What's the cost? How much they sell the straws for, etc., etc. So, 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 so at the end of the day, so it took them a lot, a lot of time to figure out. I mean, from operations point of view, how do you squeeze the cost at, at, at each point, and compared to. Yeah. Because I look at OEM brands, um, I, I think I think in a way we can draw that in parallel into many sectors, right? I mean, so whatever infrastructure is there allows you to to build things fast, right. uh, but it gives you time yeah. to 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 try to build a moat before anybody also comes in using the same methodology to to disrupt you. Because consumers are lo- always looking for fresh stuff, unless you differentiate. Correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also goes in cycles. They are always looking for fresh stuff, but you know, with Gen Z really coming into full force into the workforce, you know, what do they do with disposable income? They have very different values. They act very differently in the workplace, right? You know, and and you know, they're not afraid to speak their mind. Um, you know, they they have other problems too, generously speaking. You know, with being conflict avoidant, I don't know how to handle stress and this kind of stuff. But ultimately, you know, it it makes for a very different kind of landscape in terms of the brand world. And um, I mean, I, I, I like what you said about the whole manufacturing bit, because I think that's where a lot of opportunity still lies. Mm-hmm. You know, it, people want to keep just importing these kind of models that do kind of work. But more often than not, what I keep seeing is that market sizing is just always going to be off and things shouldn't really be venture backed when they get venture backed. And it just makes for a very awkward situation where, you know, you don't live up to valuations, this kind of stuff. But like. If you want to really hit the big stuff, you have to do the hard stuff. Like, you, like all this kind of manufacturing uh, technology, this I think applied technology in there, we're still very far from the tip of the iceberg of, I don't know, seeing meaningful you know, gains from investing in those kind of areas. So uh, I, I just think it's a lot of people, it's easier to get into consumer on the front end, easier to build software on top of that, right? Instead of looking deeper and, and spending a lot of time here in the region. But it seems that the talent is getting better. You know, like you said, there's a lot of Chinese people from mainland China coming into the region and actually setting, setting up shop here. Mm-hmm. And they're taking a lot of learnings and, um, you know, talking decades of experience and then looking at here and then making the comparisons. And then, you know, with better talent and better money coming in, I think those opportunities opportunities will probably get attacked very soon you know so, i agree um, i agree yeah um just, just coming back to the to the to the to the bubble tea example that that i mentioned about just now 
so so we got asked by a number 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 of people right they said okay 10 years yeah. ago 15 years ago and those public shops are popping up everywhere and uh, most of them did not survive uh, but if you look yeah. at the current wave of those franchises how do they differ differ from the previous ones when they survive and uh, and we did some study about the current generation of brands i mean in malaysia you have t-life right yeah yeah and the current generation is like it's different animal right because because previously they were like you know small individual shops i mean they they, they buy things from distributors and uh, and they yeah. try to create their own brand and uh, of course i mean the, the quality the taste is not consistent and they don't have a methodology to, to manage their workforce and uh, there's no software to 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 to, to manage the shift for example right? <laughs> and simple things we, yeah. we think that was as natural but uh, but when it comes to actual retail there's lots of sh- uh, shit which could which could happen and food retail is also different from from the actual goods retail and and if you look at the current uh, wave of uh, of what we call new beverage players i mean these guys are very minute with processes very minute with the with the systems and the many of them would yeah. have software to do to manage things so 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 back to what we discussed earlier right I mean, are these tech businesses or tech enabled businesses and well that's the thing you you i mean they've made a new brand but they don't need the tech right so that's the question like it's it, i think it's going to be another problem though where there might be some conflation where mm. you know you kind of look at this new brand and then someone says i have tech that that's where you know in, in a, like in b where it's a very fragmented market it's very hard to get to something where it would look like tech I mean, consumer itself is large enough. You don't need tech to be large in a consumer space. True, true. Right? We're, we're talking about some of the largest companies in the world are, are not tech, right? So um, can tech do something further on the back end? If, I think probably yes. On the front end, it's, it's still a big question, you know. Um, and yeah, I think nothing has proven it. I mean, I, I think you can do stuff on the front end, but it's not going to be like a unicorn, right? Hey, are you- like, kind of like the... Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you're wrong. You, one of the companies you work with is, is Club, right? So that, that might be on the front end and is tech. It's a, it's a, it's a thin layer, but you know, at scale, it could probably, if everyone has mass adoption, that probably can yeah. turn out a, a big business. But I don't know. Maybe you could explain what that is. I think, I mean, it's, it's a QR payment system. So, so, so at, at F&B and uh, it was funded by, by friends, Mahmoud and Ayad, who are based in, out of UAE. Um, so they raised a decent money for the first round, 70 million USD for 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 seed. Yeah. So 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 the solution is simple: QR-based payment on top of credit cards. So basically, you go to a restaurant, yeah. uh, and uh, and when you are supposed to pay the bill, instead of uh, waving at that waiter, you scan a QR code. You pay with your Apple Pay, your your Google Pay, whatever. So um, yeah. so, so so the fascinating thing for this is that because it lives on the uh, system. Of uh, of Visa and Mastercard, so so there's there's already a lot of infrastructure which has been built there, and uh, of course with the pandemic, people have been educated how to use um, QR. Yeah. So and, uh, yeah. and of course another tailwind is that people are going back to to consume food offline. So so yeah. so, so 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 but 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 of course um, the challenge is that. Uh, this is something that uh, I didn't realize until until I was looking very deep into the into the operations of this business is. Um, you know, last few years there's been lots of uh, a, a huge wave of digitization of FMBs, and the result is that, uh, oh gosh, I mean, in Singapore we counted like 40, 40, 45 mm-hmm. different types of, of uh, point of sale system, post systems, and uh, 45, wow, 
that that's not that's not an exhausting list because every week I look at the team there, they they they, they discover new posts which they've never seen before. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 of course, I mean, on top of that, you have the restaurants which have which are bought like different systems, CRM, um, survey, QR ordering. Um, I don't know, it's just, just, just some some display panel. I mean, some of them bought robots, and uh, most of them are not functioning anymore. So 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 basically. Basically, I think when people are faced pressure or incentives, they they, they, they adopt lots of systems. But um, but uh, but as of now, uh, unless you have someone who is, I mean, I look at what main is doing in China, right? They are trying to force their POS into into the merchants, and uh, they offer everything. They offer they offer um, ingredient ordering. They offer uh, uh, sort of a CRM. They offer um, sort of discounts through through their review platform. And they also offer like you know, <laughs> profit sharing for the for the power banks, which are which, which, which have been rented out at the at restaurants to consumers, right? And when we look at Southeast Asia, we see um, Food Panda bought Tap Square. I think Grab bought the Malaysian company as well. I can't remember the name. Um, and of course, uh, uh, Lyman One Eye is pushing that their, their post quite aggressively. Yeah. Oh, they raised so much money. Yeah, they raised so much money. Yeah, from GIC, for, so, just for one market in Thailand. It's crazy. Uh, they're doing multiple things, right? I mean, essentially, it's the main thing. Yeah, and uh, and I think they have a payment system as well, which um, which which they acquired from someone, if I remember correctly. So 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 so, so there, there's lots of stories which could be played, but of course, uh, of course, at the end of the day, when we look at all these players, it, it goes back to the same thing that operations heavy business, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you need to be efficient than anybody else to be able to. Create a mode that nobody's able to, or, or people find it very, very hard to match. Yeah. So, so let me let me ask you this then: What, what is your sense for these platform players like Grab and mm-hmm. GoTo? By you know, the, obviously the the beachhead was you know at the the peak of of the the golden era rideshare was was you know the beachhead, but then they everyone quickly moved into food. And then it seems that food is the way forward to kind of onboard everyone onto payments. Mm-hmm. But, you know, given everything you said of how fragmented the space is, it doesn't really make sense where you're going to get a good on-ramp of people going into your payment system through food only. Because, you know, it, it's always like at this stage still where everyone's still growing, right? You, mm-hmm. you know, if you discount one way, they're going to go to the, to that platform, then it'll, it'll go back and forth. But then, you know, no, it, and it forever seems like it stays fragmented. So what, what is your sense? Does, does, is that how you think the platform players have been kind of thinking about it? Or is that, did, are they trying to build it separately? Because to me, if you really want to make something sticky, you need, especially in a payment space, you need something separate that's not going to be just tied to your, your one niche of food, right? So, um, how do I say? So, so, so first, I think uh, if you look at payment uh, in Southeast Asia, it's very different from say 2016 and 2017, where everybody was expecting some kind of like a Alipay, WeChat Pay kind of takeover eventually. So, I mean, look at banks in Thailand, especially they're so scared about you know, you know, uh, and and group or oh, and financial back then investing in um, in CPs, I send money right, true money. The, the wallet. So, so, so everybody was trying to build their own wallet. Everybody expected a, a certain future, but now people realize that in Southeast Asia, it's very different from China. So you will not have a duopoly because you have so many different ecosystems which are not, not opening up to each other. 
I mean, I, I was just in Thailand last week, right? You, 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 you I mean, True Money, uh, they're promoting that at uh, at Seven Eleven, which is owned by CP Group, the same parent, and uh, and of course, um, Central, the the other like large retail group, they have a Dolphin Wallet, which they they're promoting at the Family Mart, which 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 they, they sort of own, right? So 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 you, you have this. This kind of uh, ward gardens, but it's different from ward gardens in China, right? Ward gardens in China is that okay, you, have, you have large platforms which cover every aspect of people's lives, um, but in but 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 here is 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 high overlapping and 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 also I mean the, the, there's no way uh, in most places for a person to be able to just bring one wallet and to be able to use it in all use cases. Um, and of course, this, I mean, you in Malaysia, you know, do it now. And uh, of course, there's PromPay in Thailand and PayNow in Singapore, which I think the experience can still be improved. But uh, you have government initiatives to try to harmonize and improve interoperability amongst all these payment systems. So at the end of the day, um, what would that transpire? Um, you, you probably noticed, like, in, in, in the latest, uh, either earnings or investor day, Grab and Shopee have both abundant of the platform payment promotion so so you, you will not see them like being going aggressively to merchants of line saying hey use GrabPay or use shopee pay so they focus on their own sort of uh, ecosystem which which i i think i think i think from dream wise would be very different from what alipay and wechat have achieved in china but uh, but but it has a lot of value um if you ask me i think uh, one big advantage grab has over foodpanda is they have their payment system so at the end of the day, you look at the food delivery as a very thin margin business. I don't know. At, at the best, you would achieve what? One point something, 2% net margin over the GMV you have. And, uh, and, and, and if your payment cost is already like 1.5%, 1, 1. then versus somebody whose payment cost is half of that, um, the UE can be very different. You're on mute. What I was saying is that for Foodpanda, though, even, I mean, they have quite a large volume. You're telling me they don't have the negotiating power of the payment processor to get the same margin as someone who owns it? I mean, like, how, how what is the the actual payment cost for, for Grab, do you think? So, um, I mean, like, at, at scale, you could get down sub maybe 1% even for Foodpanda, I would imagine. Yes, but they don't have people who use their wallet extensively, right? I mean, you just- Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Lots of money, you, you put money into the wallet and you just use money from that wallet. I mean, if that's the case, what they pay is the, um, is the engineering cost, the server cost, is the is the fraud cost, but not not cost to a third party for processing that payment. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm. If you look at the food panel as a whole, I mean, I, I used to work there, so disclaimer, but, um, uh, last month, I, I met this uh, this big ass investor from Hong Kong, and uh, I asked him what's his sense about Delivery Hero. He said, "Oh, Delivery Hero is a PE. Is a what? PE, private equity. Private equity, Delivery Hero. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so they buy number one, number two in each market, and they lump everything together and um, and report good numbers." I see what you mean. Yeah, well, I mean, it has worked out very well for for certain key markets like what Korea, you know, like the basically the guys who carry the whole the whole company. Um, I mean, Southeast Asia has been there forever, though, like with Food Panda. So that's it's 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 a business that's not. I don't know. It's it's, it's not losing money, right? It's anything. Well, yeah. be... It was very interesting. I was uh, I was discussing with a few other investors like last week. We 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 were doing a exercise. So I say, guess how much percentage of. Uh, 
of delivery heroes, Asia business or Asia GME comes from Korea. And, uh, and of course, some of us have our own independent research because they don't disclose that numbers. And yeah. amazingly, like, uh, I think there were four or five of us and every, uh, everybody got within the range of 70, 70, 75%. Really? Wow. Yeah. So, well, I mean, for what, what, what is publicly disclosed though? Cause I mean, when they, when they do their earnings. Uh, they just disclosed Asia numbers, and Asia is about 60, oh, okay. 60 something percent of the of the total numbers. So, which, if if our 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 case of the Korean numbers are right, then the Korea is forty percent of the whole group. That's pretty amazing, if that's the case, because Korea is it's a big country, but it's not like a crazy big country, right? And so, exactly, it's fifty million people. So, so, so it's a yeah. market where where. where, where Investors will discount. I said, uh, 50 million, not big enough. It's, yeah, but it's a, yeah, it's 15 million, but at a, you know, highly developed yeah. country. No, so I, I think if, <laughs> but I guess that, that, that begs the question for Southeast Asia, like what, like, you know, some smaller countries like Malaysia have smaller populations, but at scale, you know, if they could get to the same productivity and GDP, GDP per capita of Singapore, assuming that they make the investments in infrastructure and whatnot. Like, uh, what do you think in terms of Southeast Asia? Who, yeah, who do you think can get to that level? And th- that means those countries who can probably reach the higher income level is, uh, in the next decade plus probably has the ability to make very big unicorns independently. You don't need this regional story. What's well, a question of who can actually get there? Yeah, I, I mean, it seems that Singapore is probably limited, right? Singapore's They're already limited, reached um, their potential. And, 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 and. And the thing is that it also depends on, I mean, whatever business that you are offering, I mean, how much of that would be, I mean, how much of what a share that has over the, over the consumers that is spent or business like you no, know, uh, normal spend. Like, so, so if you, if I send in toothpaste, I mean, in Singapore, there are only so many people, <laughs> you say, so, so <laughs> um, but, uh, but, 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 but I think that's also the reason why in Singapore over the past few years, there have been quite a, quite a number of uh, players emerging in asset management piece, right? I said, okay, the population might be limited, but each person has lots of, you know, money which needs to be managed. Oh, Jangan, I just realized, Jangan, your microphone's backwards. That's why. The light should be facing you. Like there this? You go. Okay. 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 Cool. So, uh, so uh, I was saying that, um, I mean, um, we look at each country, you look at different business models, and uh, and I do think that country like Malaysia can produce like decent sized companies. Um, there's an, there's another benchmark we recently did with uh, with uh, with uh, I mean you know you know we published a report called Shopping in Poland and uh, yeah and the funny thing is that, that uh, at that part time I mean we decided to to to, to produce re- this report for two reasons. First, I mean Shopping entered lots of markets during the pandemic, and Poland is the only market mm-hmm. they have not withdrawn from. Mm. Like. Okay. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and second, we happen to have uh, have uh, have one person in a team who is Polish here, and another person, another two interns who are Polish. So, so, okay. so, so, so basically, this, uh, they, they they have access to 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 whatever that's happening on the ground, and uh, and, and and one of them is actually physically in Poland. So, 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 so we did that, and. And in that report, there's one thing we did, which was a benchmark in Poland uh, against Indonesia. And somebody, somebody would say, "What the heck? Why would you do that?" <laughs> and, uh, and well, how, how big is Poland population-wise? About forty million, thirty, thirty something. The GDP per capita? 
GDP per capita is much higher than Indonesia, but uh, let me pull out some numbers which I find Nom- nominal GDP per capita is seventeen thousand. It's it's a lot more developed, right? So yes, so 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 we did this benchmark, and of course we started benchmark by saying that hey, their flags look the same, but of course people tell tell us that, <laughs> no, it's not the same as upside down. So Indonesia have the red on top and and white below, and yeah. one is the other way around. They asked, oh, but they're their uh their the emblems are very similar they're they're both eagles and people are saying yeah oh no no this is not not the same i mean indonesia is the is the garuda and and poland is the i don't even know how to pronounce um or whatever so so basically basically different kinds of eagles but but i have some very interesting discoveries from indonesia population is um i don't know eight or nine times the size of poland but if you look at yeah. the nominal GDP, Poland is about half of Indonesia. Mm-hmm. If you look at the GDP growth for the past five years, if you, I mean, of course, this year is exceptional for Poland because of the war next door. Um, yeah, but yeah. if you look at GDP growth for the last five years or six years, it's about, um, and both countries are very similar. Poland is 5.89% annualized. Indonesia is 5.48%. So it's not that far mm-hmm. in terms of the, the growth. And... Yeah. Uh, Here's, here's what I find uh, fascinating. Urbanization. Poland is, Poland is 60%. Indonesia is 57%. Oh, wow. This, uh, it's, I, I, I would imagine European country to be much more urbanized, but uh, it turned out to be not much. Well, it, it, I mean, it depends on the, the size of the country and the population and relative to mm. their, their competitive advantage in terms of trade. Right. Mm. I, I'm not sure what the the local economy is is of Poland, right? Mm. But also, I, if you think about the geography of, of in, yeah. Indonesia, I mean, we're talking about like how many islands, right? That's yeah. a lot harder to urbanize. Yeah. Well, to be fair, the two largest islands are <laughs> are very significant, so I mean, yeah. they have a big population. And so. and in terms of VC investment in 2021, Indonesia received ten times the amount of VC investment compared to Poland. Now you think about, I mean, now you think yeah. about building a business. Uh, how much competition you would have in Indonesia versus how much competition you have in Poland? That yeah, so that's like so. A lot of my friends who have smaller funds, that's one argument to look away from, like the big, you know, the big elephant in the room, which is Indonesia. I mean, yes, you can't really ignore Indonesia, but I mean, yeah, the amount of competition you're going to face, the amount of good deals you probably can get relative to the best cap, you know, the smartest money there, it's it's very very hard. Mm. And that's the other argument for like Vietnam too. Vietnam looks a lot better in terms of maybe uh, actual infrastructure or infrastructure potential and, and, you know, better government in terms of, you know, being more efficient, um, smaller population in Indonesia, but might leapfrog faster. Right. And, you know, if you're sleeping on that, you miss a lot of good opportunities. You know, so I, I don't know. Uh, could be, could be. Um, so, 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 so they, they, that makes it fascinating, right? We, we try to analyze, uh, analyze countries. I mean, we, we have seen lots of very simplistic narratives, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, very. Per capita, yeah, GDP per capita, rising middle class. I mean, smartphone penetration. But uh, but once it comes to down the detail of business level, we go down to to exactly what we try to build. There's a lot of nuance. Um, well, there there's a lot of nuance for very specific ideas, and there's a lot of garden walls, like you said, right? But mm-hmm. I think for areas like like our our main discussion earlier, there are probably few categories that can go across the whole region and uh rideshare was happened to be one of them uh, maybe not as a size as they, I, they probably think in terms of total tam but you know like we talked about like fnb or food uh, brands those could easily cut across uh if you can do it well you know it's 
assuming you know you have the same pain point for you know, a desire of a generational let's say the younger generation all want the same thing they, they participate in the same culture you know brands could cut across all countries easily so there's there's very few categories and especially with tech because the tech has to solve very unique problems to the local ecosystem and not all those things will be the same right that's the nuance you're talking about mm. uh, but there are other areas where it does cut across and I, but i think just people get it wrong you know, they just want to take what's cool and trending from the west and smash it here you know and then it just doesn't always work out how people think so yep i'm uh, talking about that oh shit sorry i just while i was talking and uh, this news which came out um f- official announcement from the senior committee of the communist party of china <laughs> what did they say uh Zemin has just passed away who the previous pre- previous president john Zemin. Oh, Chen Zemin, really? Oh my God! Yeah. When when did that happen? Wow. Yeah. So today, how old was he? Ninety-six. Oh wow, he was okay. He was a very old already. Very interesting. Very interesting dynamics. Mm. What I mean, his death. What does that mean, though, for for the CCP in China? Uh, no idea. There were, there, were, there were lots of rumors about him sort of meddling during Hu Jintao's reign because he was uh, correct, not really giving up. And uh, but 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 of course, I mean, you also have different narratives. You also have narratives of uh, of Hu Jintao not having control about the things that happen because it's a large country. Things get out of control yeah. uh, very very easily if you don't have a strong central power, and it doesn't have the institutions that that the US would have right to correct itself when things yeah. go terribly wrong. So, 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 so it's it's very complex, but uh, but let's see because because if you look at China in the last few days, they've been I mean people have been pushing I mean people in cities have been pushing for the for the COVID policy to be relaxed, which uh, which 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 personally I see as a positive development. Can can you comment on how significant those are? Because it, it was very obvious that the Western media jumped on it right away. It's like it just pushed through really hard and fast, you know, like. It's like uh, trying to latch onto the narrative where, like, oh yeah, see, not good system, bad. But it just it was a little bit too obvious how forced it was. Think- but like, so how significant are the protests? Or you know, because like my, when during the Hong Kong protests, a lot of uh, Dave was living there, but he's like, I never saw any protests. I mean, of course, it was just cordoned to one area, but the media all focused there. Of course, it was very intense there. Yeah. Right for for that one area, but like for most people living in Hong Kong, everyday life kind of was going on, right? So yeah. Um, I don't know what 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 is what is your friend saying who you know or anyone who's living there. My sense is that, uh, and, uh, of course, of course. I mean, if you if you get uh, locked down at home for for three months, you feel very frustrated. And if you run, <laughs> yeah, if no. you run a small business, and if you can't do a business, and you can't pay pay your bills, you get very frustrated. Right, I mean, if, if you are an investor, you can't go anywhere to do diligence to to to, to meet the founders. You get frustrated, so people are frustrated because of this. For many and, years already. And and, and 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 last week I had something about I mean why Shanghai would go into lockdown in March. Um, yeah. And 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 the funny thing is that once you started sort of trying to put yourself in in, in the shoes of decision makers, you say what options do they have, and and yeah. what are the consequences of each option. They, Correct. They, I mean, they at the end of the day, use 
you don't necessarily agree with what they have done, but you sort of understand why they had to take that decision at, at that point of time. So, so of course, it's, 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 it's quite easy to criticize, but, uh, but also you, you notice that, okay, what are the other options and what consequences would the other option lead to? So, so it's, um, it's usually not as, uh, as straightforward as people, people make it sound. So it's, it's, it's yeah. and, and of course, um, the protest the last few days, um, uh, I don't know. There's lots of uh, there's lots of facts and counterfacts in it. So yeah. uh, uh, a quite um, widespread uh, narrative that the people probably don't see outside China is uh, is is some people are speculating. I'm not sure whether whether speculation is planted by the government or is uh, is uh, is organic from the people. Some people are speculating yeah. who are who are this. I mean, of course, there are people who are genuinely unhappy who are pushing pushing saying, "Hey, we, we want to get out." But the, but there are people who are obviously chanting chanting like anti Xi and anti government slogans. Who are these people? Yeah, that you saw that in headlines. Yeah, yeah. Who are these people? And uh, and there is the narrative saying that uh, hey, uh, they find these people suspicious because uh, because obviously the the ones which 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 were conducting such protests in in Chengdu didn't speak the Sichuan dialect. So, 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 so people yeah. say that, uh, I mean, of course, I mean, there, there's speculation that uh, some of these people might be, uh, might be employed by some of the NGOs. Plants. Yeah. So, and, uh, and, 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 oh, NGOs. Yeah. NGOs. Because, interesting. Well, the, the other way to look at it is, uh, it could play into favor of the CCP too. It gives a reason to crack down, right? So, I mean, who, who I don't, knows? I, I, I don't see there's any reason for them to crack down. I mean, I mean, they really want stability and uh, and uh, and causing resentment in any part of the society would probably not help with that narrative. They should address it. Essentially, you're saying, like logically, they would address it. I think logically, uh, I would see that. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure whether the stock market thinks the same way because the first day of the of the protest, the stock market went down because people were scared. What the hell is going on? The second day went up. People, yeah, because because people's narrative is, is that. People see it positive that that it will push the the government to open up faster. It will push the government to open up faster, and uh, which which because because if if the, if the people are saying that hey we we want to open up, and uh, if the government just opens up because at the end of the day I think the government themselves they don't care whether it's open up or not, but they care about the consequences of of, of them yeah. being held accountable for the decisions they make. Yeah. So, 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 so previously, I think the prevailing uh, narrative is that okay, let's stick to the policy until the end of the winter because winter is a particularly dangerous um, yeah. season, right, for any respiratory diseases. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but, but now, I mean, things that uh, I mean, people are pushing the boundaries and people are not respecting the the zero yeah. COVID rules. Correct. So, so 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 things might move even faster, which which I think at least for us is positive. Yeah, I mean, in terms of business and and people getting their lives back for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. I guess like what you were talking to that maybe they were trying to hold on to pass the you know, past the Chinese New Year, which is like another few months. Um, <laughs> but I guess you know their their hands have been forced. I guess and people don't care. I mean, also that's why probably my, people might be pushing because they want to spend time with their families, which they haven't been able to see for so many years. So yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. And one thing you have to know is that uh, I mean I, I have a, a the government takes a, a very serious responsibility on any events which uh, which might cost uh, cost death. So so a few yeah. friends of mine which run large manufacturing uh, facilities in China, 
the key message I get from government like every week is that uh, uh, safety, 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 no death, no death. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Because cause, I mean, it makes sense. Because at the end of the day, I mean, if anything happens, the government gets blamed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's the whole. I mean, that's a, the double-edged sword of that system, right? You, it you is. Know, you're it responsible is. for good and the bad. Yeah. And so you you have to really be responsible to that. And yeah. at the same time, you know, the population, like the the rate of growth matters a lot. You know, to sustain the Chinese machine, you know, they, they need to keep having more. More population growth, more fertility, right? So it's, I mean, it's, it's a, a big, big issue. I could see it. Why? It, it, it's a huge challenge. They probably saw what's happening in Korea, what's happening in Japan, and uh, I think that they yeah. to, to avoid the same thing. But it, but it's a large machine which is very difficult to steer. And uh, and and yeah. in a way, that's uh, that's some of my friends' sort of positive interpretation of uh, of, uh, of of the new Politburo, which is like you no know, consolidated mm. power to, to one person and his loyalists. Um, but uh, uh, but of course, I mean, some things are more short term, some things are more long term, right? I mean, I mean, if you go back to yeah. ancient Rome, I mean, in time of crisis, you concentrate power to a dictator or two dictators, or was yeah. one? Okay, yeah, that's how the term yeah, was invented anyway, right? What's that? <laughs> that's, that's how the term dictator was invented anyway. Ancient yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, I need to run. Uh, I think by the time this goes out, it's the last month of the year. So, so we already see Happy New Year. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We we might be able to get maybe one more episode in. I'm trying. Maybe we get everyone, all four of us together when Dave comes back to Asia. Where's coming back? Year, a little wrap up. Uh, two weeks. So he's two weeks in London now. Andrew's in London as well. He's working like twenty four seven there. You know, that's he. He does his crunch week. Works a few weeks and goes off to a mountain after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think maybe sometime in December we could do a wrap up for the year. Yeah, uh, and kind of recap what we we talked about. And I think next time we next year. I think next time we need to talk about Timo and and Pindodo. Um, this is going crazy in the US. Yeah, is it? Yeah, we'd love to hear that. So yeah, we could do that for next time. For I'm, sure. I'm, I'm sure Andrew has some perspectives. Oh, for sure. Oh, he, you know, he's cool. yeah, he's yeah. always the champion of the. Okay. Okay, man. Yeah. All right. Thanks for for the episode, the good casual chat, and then uh, hopefully we'll get everyone for the next round then. Have a good day. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.